I really think the real key is keeping good maintenance on the property. Um, I really think it's as simple as that, where you're um, having a well-maintained property. Doesn't need to be new, does not need to be renovated, just needs to be well-maintained. Then we're attracting great residents. That is the key. The turnovers are not going to be as expensive. There won't be as many maintenance issues. Um, we just want to attract great residents and we want them to stay as long as possible. It is a common saying amongst real estate investors that you make money when you buy, not when you sell. While this catchy phrase has value, it fails to convey how easy it is to lose money through poor property management. Whether you self-manage or hire a professional, it is important to understand how to navigate the common pitfalls and challenges with rental properties without losing your shirt or your mind. That's why you have tuned in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. I'm your host, John Stiles, real estate agent and team leader of the VIP Real Estate Group at Bridge Realty. As a current multifamily investor and former property manager myself, I understand the headaches and difficulties of keeping an investment property from becoming a money pit and time sucker. It takes a solid business plan, it takes tested systems, and it takes key team members to actually find success. So let's take a deep dive and maximize your property value. Uh, welcome back everybody to another edition of Maximizing Your Property Value. This is the show where we dive into best practices for managing uh, your rental property business and make sure, making sure it is profitable. So with me today, I'm so excited to have uh, our guest, Jennifer Spadini, who is with Guardian Property Management and Guardian Property Maintenance. Uh, Jennifer, thank you so much for coming in today. You're welcome. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here. Great. Jennifer, if you could take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Yes. So I own Guardian Property Management, Guardian Property Maintenance. My background has been property management. I actually started in the business when I was 19. I had a, a nice uh, career at Real Estate Equities. And then in 2002, I went to work for Guardian Property Management, then called Poseidon Companies. And it went up for sale in 2004. At that point, I'd been in the industry for about 13 years. My husband encouraged me to purchase the company, and it's been great ever since. Personally, um, I have two adult children, three adult stepchildren, two beautiful grandchildren, a boy and a girl, grandson, granddaughter. And I've been married for 18 years, happily married. Okay, great. Um... That's exciting about all the, all the kids and grandkids. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit more about your company. Um, what kind of uh, clients is kind of best suited for your company? Great question. So our niche is small scattered site. So we'll do one unit, single family home, townhome, condo, up to multi-unit. But we're keeping it where there's no on-site staff. So caretakers, we manage those. But typically, buildings of 50 units or less in one spot. So we'll have owners that maybe have a portfolio of 70 units. But again, it's small, scattered site. That's okay. our niche. Okay. And 
you're servicing the Minneapolis-St. Paul metro, or which cities do you service? Yes, we are actually entire metro area. We have, uh, you know, as far north as Forest Lake and Hugo, as far west as Minnetonka, as far south as Chaska, even southeast uh, Hastings, Stillwater. So just in that uh, group, we have a little bit on the 94 corridor, Albertville, Monticello, and St. Cloud. We acquired it years ago and still manage it. Oh, okay. Great. And what would you say kind of sets your company apart from, you know, the other property management options that owners have out there? I think it's primarily two things. Number one is customer service. We love all of our customers. Uh, We have live answering of our telephone during our business hours. We really care about each individual that we're working with, uh, advising our owners, um, good customer service to our residents. The second thing that really sets us apart is we really understand property management. Our staff is very well trained. We take a lot of our training through the Minnesota Multi-Housing Association. We go to different seminars. We go to conventions through the National Association of Residential Property Management. And just, again, following all of those principles in our day-to-day activities. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, I wanted to move on here to a question of what does a good property manager look like? And, you know, when I think about managing properties, as somebody has managed for other people in the past, and now I manage a couple of of my own, um, you know To a certain extent, anybody could be a property manager or could learn how to be a property manager. However, I think there's some kind of key personality traits and structure to a business that would allow it to be long-lasting and not kind of get burned out. So what would you say somebody that's looking for a property manager should look for? I think it's it's a couple of different things. Uh, Number one, I think that, you know, a property manager, we're wearing a lot of different hats. We're representing the owner. We have a contract with them looking to maximize their investment. And then we're also looking to create a really good experience for the resident. So we're wearing those multiple hats all of the time. I think that um, the characteristics, problem solving. Every phone call coming in, people are not calling to tell us what a great job we did. Typically, every phone call is because something's needed, whether it's maintenance, even as simple as I need a copy of my lease, or I can't pay rent. So every phone call, we need people that are action-oriented and can solve problems, and we'll see it through to the end. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So within your company, how do you um, split up responsibilities? Or, you know, there's some companies that where they have kind of a manager that's responsible for everything, or there's some companies that split up and delegate and specialize. Um, How do you see, how do you operate your company? Our model is by department, and I found that that is the most effective way to operate. So if you work at Guardian Property Management, you're in one of three areas. You either work on the maintenance side, so we have handymen. The handymen are our in-house employees. In fact, When I first bought the company in 2004, I was using independent contractors and I was spending all of my time chasing them around for their insurance or I would need them to go to an emergency and they had another job. 
So about after about 18 months of doing that, we brought our handyman in-house. So we have our maintenance technicians, or we have our leasing. So our leasing people, that's their full-time day job. That's all they do from marketing, advertising the properties, meeting with the potential residents, doing the full background checks, and they're experts. They know exactly where things should be valued, what rents should be at. So again, we wanna maximize the income, but we wanna minimize vacancy. So there's a sweet spot there. Right. Or the third department at Guardian is administrative. So we have a professional rent collector on staff. We have people that do the lease enforcement and um, it just works well to have those categories separated out. We definitely have different personalities between our leasing person and our rent collector. And that's really where our good customer service also ties right in, having the right person in the right seat. Yeah. So then from an owner's perspective, how do they know who to contact? You know, depending, maybe they have multiple properties and there's multiple you know, situations going on at different properties. Do they have uh, one point of contact or do they have to keep everybody's you know, phone number that's in your company and try to figure out who's doing what? It can be a little confusing. We try to make it as easy as possible. Number one, for anything maintenance related, they just email in to maintenance at guardianprop.com and we disperse it from there and handle it. Um, additionally, residents, they have a portal that they can log into. So they just log into a portal and they can submit any kind of question or request and it'll go to the right person. Or if someone calls into our office, um, the phone is answered, how may I direct your call? They just tell us the topic and we get them to the right person. Yeah, okay. Um, and then additionally, just as a little added, we have everybody's uh, job position on our website if someone was really looking. But to tell you the truth, they just have to reach out. We'll figure it out. We don't expect that to be on the customer. Yeah, okay, that makes good sense. Um, so now I have a segment in, in our show here that's called Tenants Make Me Laugh. Okay. And I wanted you to uh, share with us uh, experience from your company or your own experience of a situation with a tenant that you just can't make up and just kind of leaves you shaking your head. All right. Well, we had a situation one time where our rent collector was calling about, about past due rent. And we start that process on the day after the, the rent is considered late. So my, my rent collector calls up this lady and says, you know, hello, colleague, we have not received your rent payment. When can we expect this? And immediately she just really becomes very emotional. She's crying. She's sobbing. She's telling the rent collector that she is unable to pay her rent. In fact, her mother died. She has no money to bury her mother. And the rent collector says, well, where is she? She's in the back bedroom and she's crying and very like unconsolable. So we get off the phone and we call the police and we say, um, this is what she told us. We don't know what to do. And they go and check it out. Fortunately, the mother was cremated. Okay. And so the reason the woman didn't have her rent was she couldn't bury her mother. But uh, fortunately, that worked out okay. Okay. <laughs> so there wasn't 
someone deceased in the back bedroom. No, but you can imagine that is exactly <laughs> what we pictured. So, oh my, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for sharing that story for our segment. Tenants made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so the next thing I want to talk about—you've already touched on it a lot—is and that's customer service. Because to me, um, you know, the way that you handle relationships in this business, both facing your customer, the property owner, and your customer, the tenant, is super important. It's it's what will make you successful or, or not. So can you define for us maybe what makes, what is good customer service in property management? Getting back to people. When people come and they look at our services and they're coming from maybe other experiences, their number one complaint is there was not enough good communication. So we have a lot of stopping points that have us reaching out to the property owner, communicating with them about their property. And again, that is what I think the key is to any customer service is they just want to understand or know what's going on. And then from there, the owner can be as involved or uninvolved as they want. And we have different levels. Some owners want to be involved. Other owners are like, thanks for the heads up. Good to know. And uh, that's, you know, where they want their involvement. Yep. So staying in contact, responding to voicemails, emails Correct. promptly. Yes. Do you set um, any sort of system in place or standards in place for your team to say, we want to respond within 24 hours, 12 hours, one hour? We don't have a set like 12 hours, but reasonable time. We use that term as, you know, um, getting back to people within that business day, letting them know, of course, we're triaging emergencies always fall right to the top. Um, And then how we handle all that is we staff up. So we have, you know, administrative assistants that is typically most uh, phone calls and stuff coming in are maintenance related. So we have administrative assistants that um, are in that um, inbox monitoring all of those emails so that they can get back to people, triage again, emergencies get done first, and then from there con- connecting with property owner, the resident, or the vendor. Yep. Very good. You know, in my experience of talking to and networking with property investors, uh, there's a term that goes around that's managing the manager. Um, could you tell me, you know, how do you look at the relationship with the owner and, and what's your role in their investment business? I think when we're, when we're first meeting with a client, that's when, you know, we're understanding what kind of involvement they, they want. And so when you're, it's all about building the relationship. And so some owners, as we get to know them, they really only want high level information. And, you know, you're working together those first few months and, and figuring out, you know, know your client, right? That would be our saying. And then figuring out what's important to them, what's not. So we have a basic list of standards of communication. And then as you get to build relationship with your clients, you'll know who wants a little more who wants a little less and really again back to the customer service understand your clients and part of that process is built through as we get to know them and take in the property 
but then just, you know, that first year is, um, you know, we work with them maybe on a turnover or something that might come up. Yep. So now I have a question from our audience. And so I'm just going to get this queued up here. Hi, my name is Justin. And my question for this episode is for rental properties, do you recommend having the tenants pay for the water uh, as far as utilities being that that water can stay with the property or do you roll that into your uh, rent and pay it out of the rent? Justin, thank you. That is a question we often get asked and 100% our recommendation is that the resident pays for the water. However, there are a few cities that do not allow water to be put into the resident's name. So in those cases, of course, we're governed that we need to bill it back to the resident and we do that. We have the correct verbiage in the lease that lets us bill it back to the resident, but in cases where it can go right in the resident's name, that's definitely our recommendation. Okay, and so do you have, I think what Justin's kind of concerned about there is what if the resident doesn't pay the water and then, you know, it bails out on the property? If they were to do that with their electricity or gas, that bill follows them, but the water bill stays with the property. So do you run into that issue at all? Or Most cities that allow the resident um, to put the water in their name, they are happy to send a duplicate to the owner or management company. So we can keep track on that on a monthly basis to see if they've paid or not. Um, and then additionally, um, one of our processes is when we're doing the resident move out and the security deposit disposition, we, anyone that has water as part of their utility, we call the city to make sure it's current before we finalize that security deposit. Okay. So we have checks and balances in our system to address that. Okay. Very good. Well, now I just want to uh, address our audience here. Uh, I really appreciate if any of you out there can interact with us here on the show. We'd like to uh, invite you to submit a question uh, for our managers and owners that we're interviewing. So uh, if you look in the comments or section below the description, you'll see some ways that you can submit a question. So I uh, hope you can participate with us in that. Thank you. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to cover is income and expenses. So for a property investor, the value of their property is based on the income minus expenses and therefore their net operating income. So first talking about income, what are some maybe income sources that some owners are missing out on? I, I think they're real key. Well, in speaking in smaller site uh, properties, I really think the real key is keeping good maintenance on the property. Um, I really think it's as simple as that, where you're um, having a well-maintained property, doesn't need to be new, does not need to be renovated, just needs to be well-maintained. Then we're attracting great residents. That is the key. The turnovers are not going to be as expensive. There won't be as many maintenance issues. Um, we just want to attract great residents, and we want them to stay as long as possible. And I think that's the key. So, you know, it's a few different things, but I think minimizing that turnover. Um, of course, there's the basics, like there's storage fees and parking fees and pet fees, but we're all doing that already anyways. Um, so I think, again, maintaining 
the property, attracting a good resident, and keeping them there. Okay. So kind of that tenant retention and avoiding vacancy by just maintaining the property is what you're saying. That is exactly what I'm saying, yep. Okay. That's a good one. Um, then on the expense side, you know, sometimes a property can feel like it's just eating up all the owner's money and there's this is breaking, that's breaking. Um, do you have any recommendations for property owners of ways to keep those expenses under control? I do. And I actually, I can appreciate the question itself because one, you know, one major uh, happening can just eat a year's worth of profit, especially on these smaller sites. Um, so again, I'm going to go right back to the maintenance, guardian property management. We email our owners twice a year about preventative maintenance and gutter cleaning and simple things that the property owner can do ahead of time just to keep, again, things well-maintained makes such a difference. Walking through the property, when Guardian does these preventative walkthroughs, they're photographed, um, a photo photographed report, so they'll tell you how old the appliances are, how old is the water heater, what do we need to be thinking about? So if the water heater is getting to be 12 years old, should we replace it now versus a Sunday afternoon when we're when our contractor's on emergency time. Mm -hmm. So just paying attention, you know, gutter cleaning can make such a big difference. We don't want the resident on top of the roof cleaning out gutters, potentially falling. Like we have a contractor, when it's done yearly, it's done at a reasonable rate. Yeah, so these two times yearly emails, they they are backed up by actual on-site visit and um, like actual details about the owner's property? So we email the owner asking them, would you like gutter cleaning? Would you okay. like, and it's a reminder to them so that they don't have to keep track of it in their tickler file. And then owners will choose to take us up on it, depending on one, you know, um, what is the property like? Like does gutter cleaning need to be done twice a year? Well, it does if it's in a very wooded area. Um, but we're letting them know, like, hey, it's that time of year again. Would you like it? And then the owners get to choose when they want to execute on those items. And then we handle everything from there. Okay. So they can do it twice a year, you know, yearly, every other year, depending on what works for that particular property and where, you know, if it's on a wooded lot or things that would make variables in there. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, kind of on that topic, how often do you recommend either the owner and or manager or somebody from the management company actually visit these properties? Because like you said, a lot of these are scattered sites, small buildings, maybe single family, fourplex, those type of things. And so theoretically they could go months or years without being visited if, if the tenants aren't complaining. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, do you have a recommendation for frequency to kind of be proactive with, with that? Yes, definitely once a year. Um, that really, if you, again, we're in a, a nice time of the market. We have uh, strong renters. Um, so once a year is very acceptable. And again, we're emailing out twice a year to remind the owner. But we're making sure that we're getting in the property as the property manager once a year. However, we're typically getting in there more than that. Okay. And some things, again, that we do on the back end is we're training our um, maintenance staff to notify us of any kind of um, housekeeping issues or anything they might see, like 
you know, they check the furnace filter every time they're there on any kind of work order. Okay. Things that the resident is supposed to be doing, so we get a gauge of, hey, is this happening? Is it not happening? Yeah. And um, from and then from there, you know, we're in during those visits. We also have our some of our vendors like HVAC. We contract out. We have that vendor also trained to be taking uh, pictures of furnace filters. The drain cleaning company, if they end up having to come out and pull a toilet, we have them taking pictures, you know, was there a toy in there? So we've done a lot of training. We have a system and process so that if there is something that we need to follow up with the residents on, we have documentation and a process to do that. Yeah, that's all very important. Uh, just have whoever's going out there kind of to put on an owner's perspective that, mm -hmm. you know, keep your eyes open and pay attention to what's going on at this property. Absolutely. And then when we send out the uh, request, if, if the owner would like a, us to do a, a what we call preventative walkthrough, we invite them to go with us. And then in speaking with our owners, um, we love it when they're in the property at least once a year or even every other year. Um, the properties where the owners are walking the property yearly or every other year, they really just function better because we can make a recommendation like, hey, it's time to um, maybe look at getting bids on painting the outside of the building or the, the home. But when they see it themselves, it has a lot more impact. And so those yeah. properties do gen generally run just a little bit better. Yeah. Well, I can see from an owner's perspective you know, they, they tend to be a little, you know, just worried about that if their property manager might be trying to just spend their money for the sake of spending money. Right. So if they can actually be there to see it themselves, I can really help. Mm -hmm. um, although if, if they're maybe out-of-state owners, do you have another way to handle that? Photo documentation is what we're doing. You know, it's so easy nowadays with the technology that we can literally send a photo uh, with just about everything that we're requesting. And same with the residents. You know, a resident calls something in, we often say, can you send us a quick photo? It's seconds. People have the technology now to be able to upload a photo. And, you know, the old cliche, a photo is a thousand words. It really just gives good perspective. Yep. Yep. Very good. So the next thing I wanted to ask you about is your role as a property manager when an investor is either buying or selling their investment property. So... I know that some owners are going to maybe have their own um, way of doing things, but what kind of services can you offer during the, those processes? So during the acquisition process, we become a trusted advisor to the owners. So when an owner identifies a potential property or they put a PA on a property, we want them to send us the information with pictures and we'll do a comp on that, a rental comparison analysis, and let them know here's where we think the rents will be because it might be different than what the current rents are or what they're thinking of what they can get in rent and we just want to be 100% on the same page. So our leasing people do those again they're boots on the ground they're in the neighborhoods every every day and so they're giving very good information to the owner to help them do their cash flow summaries and make their decisions from there. And then once they have a property we have a simple checklist that we give them of things we need to function. We need copies of leases, we need copies of keys, and just some general information about the property. Um, yeah, that's great. Um, so then on the selling side, 
Is there ways that you can help the owner get ready to sell the property? Yes, if the owner is going to sell the property, they really just send us a list of what they need. And, you know, fortunately, everything now, we have all of our stuff stored electronically. So typically the owner, again, needs copies of the leases. They might need some applicant information, rent rolls. Um, all of that information, we can get that to them right away. We just email it over. It's become very smooth process, both with acquisition and if something is, is going out of our portfolio. Yeah. And then what about if an owner says, I'm thinking about selling in 6 to 12 months, you know, what can I do to my property to make sure that it's ready for those showings and that's going to be presented in its best light? Typically what we'll do is we'll walk the property with the owner, see if they want to do any upgrades, and we can coordinate all that work, whether there's any new carpet or anything that they want to do to get the property ready for sale. And then we're also working with the owners just on the leases. Do we want to move any month-to-month or move any to a term lease? And we're working with them, and then we're coordinating everything. So, again, making it as smooth as possible. Yep. I know for the when I'm working with people, it can go a lot better if there's planning ahead of time versus just deciding, oh, I want to sell. And then we go look at the property and there's lots of things kind of out of place that should have been thought about. So I, I'm just a big advocate for preparing to sell ahead of time. Yes, absolutely. And then once the property owner um, has the property listed, a lot of times what the realtor do is set block showings. That way, you know, the resident has proper notification if there's a resident there and everybody knows what to expect. Um, and it's, you know, less intrusive versus all of the showings that the resident could get, you know, many hours of the day. Yeah. Yep. In this market, there's a lot of demand and we're having, sh- you know, a ton of showings right in the first weeks of it being on the property, even the first days. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely c- communicating with the tenants and letting them know what to expect is really important. Yes. So... Um, okay, well, I want to transition here to looking at the rental market. You know, we've been in this huge increase of rental values. Um, affordability is becoming an issue for many people. Mm-hmm. And we're, a lot of people are asking themselves, how long can we be on this trajectory? Um, so I want to ask from your perspective, kind of boots on the ground, um, you know, your perspective of how many showings are you still getting for when you're putting a property out there? Are we, are we still seeing high demand for all types of housing or is it certain segments, you know, certain price points? Guardian has had a very successful summer. So we um, did have, we did see rent increases in all the markets um, throughout the entire year this past year. Showings were also successful. Again, um, you know, we do uh, background checks on our residents and we're finding well-qualified residents to move into the properties. Um, Now that fall is here, you know, September 1st, it's a little bit like a light switch, Um, but we still consider the market to be good. We've just, you know, school year has started now, so we might be seeing, we'll be seeing that the amount of people looking for rental housing every single month is just less and less and less while we get through the winter. For next year, we're really wondering if we're going to be able to do rent increases. You know, we actually thought last year, are we at, are we at a high? Are we at the end? Um, and we are still seeing that um, owners are adding some 
added value to the property, making sure that, again, they're in good, clean, well-maintained condition. Um, we're seeing a lot of owners taking this opportunity to maybe upgrade kitchens, bathrooms, things that you know are very usable to the residents. And uh, we did see uh, rent increases this past year, and, but we're wondering if for 2020, if we'll see, you know, rents uh, stay about the same. Okay. It's our guess. Okay. Well, we'll we will all see, right? We will all see. <laughs> Very good. Um, so I want to kind of wrap things up here. I've got some more questions that are more about yourself and uh, just so our audience can kind of get to know you better. Um, and by the way, I really appreciate you sharing all these insights with the audience and uh, I think it's really beneficial, these different things that you've been sharing. Um, but uh, so one of the questions I have for you is why do you get up in the morning? I love what I do. I really do. I love working in housing. I've really found that you get to meet a lot of different people. And, you know, throughout my entire housing career, you get to learn about the people, which is definitely my favorite part. So, you know, back when I first started in the industry and I was leasing apartments, my, you know, myself to other people, you know, what was important to them? Did they cook a lot? Did they need a big kitchen? Did they need to be by the school? Now I work more with the uh, property owner and, you know, was this their family home that they had before? Is this a multi-generational investment that they're carrying on that legacy? Or are they new to investing? Are they an experienced investor? I, I learn so much from the people that I'm surrounded by. Yeah, wonderful. So my next question is, what is an event or person in your past that has kind of been pivotal or really life-changing to make you who you are today? Oh, gosh. Uh, definitely liking from the two people. So definitely my father. So I grew up uh, with a dad who flipped houses. And we grew up in Duluth, Minnesota. So every year of my schooling, we lived in a different house. Um, we lived in utter chaos all the time. Like I would literally come home from school and there'd be like a wall down or some kind of change. He always had these big visions. And like I said, he flipped houses. So I grew up with that. Um, I'm very calm. I can handle a lot of chaos around me, which I think is great for property management. Yeah. And then the second person, I really have to say my husband. You know, the opportunity for me to buy a property management company came up, and it was really his full encouragement of, you should do this, you can do this. And I never saw that in myself. Okay. Very good. So just kind of a, a final question is, how can people get in touch with you if they're interested more about your property management services, your maintenance services, or just to learn more about this topic? I would love that. Um, and whether they're looking to be a client or just network, I mean, landlords need each other to, to uh, connect with. So they can call me on my cell phone, which is 612-227-4321, or they can go to our website, uh, guardianprop.com, G-U-A-R-D-I-A-N, prop.com and on there is our office number our email address you can go to the who we are and see a photo of our great staff okay yeah wonderful well I, I do hope our audience takes you up on that and i appreciate you again 
taking the time to be with us today, coming to our studio here today, and just sharing all this great information. So thank you so much, Jennifer. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Yep. All right. And I also just want to say to our audience, thank you so much for uh, listening and watching. Uh, be sure to share this episode with others so that they can also uh, learn how to better maximize their property value. And uh, just comment also on either our YouTube video or our my Facebook page or give us a rating review on iTunes just so we can know that you're out there. Uh, it's, you know, as we are recording this here in studio, it's just Jennifer and I, but it's, we are uh, obviously sharing this with all of you. It's great to get some feedback that you're out there listening and watching. So thank you so much. The opinions shared on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be taken as a solicitation for representation or investment in any specific offering. Please consult with your financial, legal, tax, and real estate advisor before making any investment decisions. John Stiles is a licensed Minnesota real estate agent with Bridge Realty. Thanks for tuning in to Maximizing Your Property Value, the apartment owner's guide to operating rental properties as a successful business. If you're considering scaling up, downsizing, or right-sizing your real estate investment portfolio, it's important to know how to determine your property's value in today's market. That's why I've put together a free ebook for you called How to Calculate Your Investment Property's Value. To get your copy, go to www.realestatestyles.com forward slash value. Now, if you found any value in today's show, be sure to subscribe to our email newsletter, YouTube channel, and podcast through your favorite podcast player. All the links are in the show notes. And would you do me a big favor? Help me get the word out about this show by sharing with your friends on Facebook and LinkedIn. And lastly, we appreciate your five-star rating on iTunes. I really appreciate you and wish you the best in your real estate investing career. Signing off, I'm John Stiles with Bridge Realty. Make it a great day.